Welcome back to Jokerman, the podcast about John Cale and his music. I'm Evan. I think you mean I think you mean Brotherman. The podcast of Wait, you mean Welcome to Brotherman? <laughs> welcome to Brotherman. That's yeah. it's just sitting there. That's easy money. I mean, uh yeah, that that that's uh, what everyone who was listening to this was thinking was like, "Wait, how did he not make the connection between the famous song Brotherman and the name of the show Jokerman?" I like to think that the Brother Man and the Joker Man are kind of like like an Abbott and Costello type like uh, duo, you know. I think it's more like the uh, the the gods, like the Greek gods versus Roman gods. Like they have the same uh, features, but maybe a different hmm. name. I see. So it's the same person, but Jupiter versus uh, right. Zeus or whatever. <laughs> sure. Every culture has a different way of expressing man they have a man of some sort the welsh culture has a different guy which is brother man and bob dylan culture has uh, a joke joker man so mm. we're talking about the 2005 album of music original songs by john kale black acetate black acetate one word do you think that's a uh is it like my black ass like steve albini like does he like it because it says that I cannot, for the life of me, understand, you know, uh, I don't know why it's stylized as one word. I don't know why the A in acetate, like the first A is capitalized and everything else is lowercase. I don't know why the cover is a black and white picture of John doing some like creepy shit with his eye, but also like, it looks like there's some clouds double exposed over him and like a weird ghostly, I, I like it. It's uh, but it's all it's all baffling to me. And and beyond all that, I don't know why this record sounds the way that it does. Um, well, the cover looks. Uh, I would say, like you know, this gets thrown around, but it literally looks like David Lynch made it because like yeah, absolutely, like literally his visual art style, especially in like his like two thousands output. It's even down to like the big A and the smaller and the rest of the text being small. It really looks like David Lynch production, even though it's, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, it's a, it, it seems to uh, be setting the stage for something that's going to be kind of uh, artistic with a capital A, you know, pun somewhat intended, uh, difficult, heavy. Uh, you know, John Cale back to his, you know, uh, uh, the Academy in Peril type of roots. A uh, very challenging type of record, and uh, what you get is not is not that. Uh, I think the, the music is very much at odds with the way that it's packaged and stylized. But you know, that's that's why we love the guy. It's more uh, in line with like Pharrell and the and Gorillas. Uh, these are and, uh, these are cited sources apparently uh, of inspiration, yes. and you can definitely hear that. 
and I was looking at the reviews. I don't know if you you saw the, like the the reviews of old of this album from. Yeah, it was all pretty good reviews, except, except for, for obviously Pitchfork. one one certain site. Yes, but there actually was like pretty split opinion. I was surprised that all music gave this a such a favorable score. I thought reading like the the Pitchfork review and the All Music one back to back that they both bring up good points. Like the Pitchfork review, it's not really that bad uh, as far as like a a criticism of the record. It's I kind of could see why somebody would take issue with the things that they take issue with, but it, it was interesting that like the All Music one was just nicer. It was just like, well, that's not so bad. It was like very All Music being kind of Jokerman mindseted and um, Pitchfork being disappointed that it wasn't cooler or something. I mean, the guy, the guy, yeah, the guy that wrote it for Pitchfork. I, I don't know Matthew Murphy. Never heard of the guy. Um, but like, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding, I think, of who John Cale is. Because the the crux of that review, and this doesn't need to turn into the fucking you know Pitchfork dissection hour. Yeah, I, uh, but we got to go off. There's not that much of, written about this, right? We got to go after. We have to go off of the scholarship we have available. Um, the the crux of that review seems to be that John Cale is this this you know shocking, uh, always confrontational, left hand turn, uh, uh, challenging. Uh, you know, avant-garde uh, uh, ass kicker, and this this record is disappointingly like straightforward rock song focused, uh, and and I'm not having my mind blown the way that I do when I listen to fucking uh, you know Church of Anthrax or something. Well, where and, you been? You know? Exactly. Like if if the only part of John Cale's career that you are familiar with was like 1967 to 1975, like I guess I could see that take, but like. <laughs> that that guy clearly had not listened to anything from the last like fifteen or twenty years of the man's career. This is the man that made fucking Caribbean Sunset and uh, and uh, uh, Last Day on Earth and Walking on Locusts and Hobo Safe. like like this is absolutely in line with where John had been going up to it. And this guy clearly was just kind of it's the same kind of shit, you know. When when Bob Dylan people are like, you know, I wish I wish he would do another one like Desire. I wish he would do another one like New Morning. It's like, come on, come on, man. Yeah, catch up. Uh, well, I guess we can just get going. I think we said this a little bit about uh, Hobo Sapiens, and it's even more true about Black Acetate to me, at least. Like, this is just a record of rock songs from John Cale. Uh, which there's something there's something like refreshing and, and enjoyable about that to me. Um, like you don't need to to dress it up or or give it a, a deeper or more complex reading than it necessarily wants or deserves. It's just like here's a collection of songs that the man put out in 2005. <laughs> yep, I, it's <laughs> and for better or for worse. Uh, in in a way, um, this is you know like the meat and potatoes of Jokerman material that we cover because like this is exactly that. It's like put your hand in a bag and you pull out a, an album, and this is one of them for sure. It's absolutely it. one of them, and uh, I think I like it. I mean, I basically like this record uh, more. Like I think like they were. There's people who might say like Hobo Sapiens is like a bit more um, adventurous, but the charm of this is that the lack of like the the commerciality of a lot of it is what's the fun part like to see him do that is interesting on its like yeah. inherently yeah yeah i would say in general the 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 highs of hobo sapiens i think are are 
higher than the highs of black acetate. You know, there's not, you're not getting a bicycle on black acetate. Um, but uh, I think this is a more like consistent and much more of a put it on record, to be quite frank. It's a put it on album. Yeah. yeah. There are a couple moments that kind of go in and out or get a little dodgy in terms of the, you know, John doing John shit. But in general, it's like a, it's a pretty pleasant listen, starting with. Is that like the first and last time he has deployed this like wild falsetto? I think uh, in, so. I can't think of anything else, right? I'm he, sure there's something. Well, he does it a little, little bit later on uh, on Brother Man in the background, but um, right, yeah. There, this is the album where John Kill uh, deploys some falsetto, and nowhere more than on the first track, "Out of the Bag." Uh, it's a very fun song. I like Out of the Bag. It's a great yeah. opener. Perfect opener. This this song could not could not belong anywhere else on this record than <laughs> right at the very beginning. Um like it's it sets the stage for what's to come. Um it's a little kind of funky. Yeah. You know, it's a kind of plotting. It's like a little turgid to be honest, but like in a in a fun and enjoyable way. Um I, like I think he's like just doing honking horns and then the, yeah. the art you do get like right out of the out of the out of the bag a, a few of the uh little string stabs that are like oh it's John Kale it's not just mm-hmm. anybody doing this it's John Kale hear those strings but uh <sighs> yeah it's it's basically just like I don't know what else sounds like this like what, I I'm trying I to think, think of like pitchfork Pitchfork name checked Midnight Vultures, which I think makes uh, you know some degree of sense. You know Beck's uh, like Prince knockoff album from whenever that was, late nineties. Yeah. Beck is definitely present as an influence, maybe more than yeah. a, uh, anybody else on this. It just seemed, like on- the approach. I honestly think that he, I guess maybe in the approach in that, like, he's doing so many different things on the different songs all throughout the record, and you could say that's a Beck-like approach. Honestly, I think on the rest of the record, it's John doing other bands that he likes as well, to me at least. Like, we're going to get some very clear examples, but, like, there is some absolute, like, pop-punk you know, uh, uh, gems. Well, there's one. There's one in particular, and there's but there's even a couple that are like kind of following on in that. There's some Franz Ferdinand ass yes. fucking songs. There's an Animal Collective song on here. Like this is he's very much in tune, I think, with like what's happening in indie rock in 2005. Yeah, I mean, it's really not that different than, from what you get on uh, Mercy uh, in terms of like sampling the different styles of of the contemporaneous moment uh and uh doing his little jig with them 
much more so, I think, also, obviously, than, than Lou was. Uh, you know, I, I think that as they aged, you know, it uh, Lou sort of settled into a classic, timeless, comfortable kind of sound for himself that he was able to modify here and there and, you know, stretch in one direction on Ecstasy. Maybe we're going to get some horns and then on... Um, uh, on Twilight, you know, we're going to do more of just like a greasy uh, or grungy mid-90s guitar rock sound. Um, but by and large, it's a it's a simple and consistent palette uh, and pattern that he's able to use and, you know, go as far as he wants to lyrically. But John is the very opposite of that to me, I think. He, he's much more of a sonic adventurer at this point in his career. Um, and, uh, you know, lyrically, <laughs> out of the bag is maybe a good example of what we're dealing with here, because um, there isn't much to deal with. But it uh, it sounds cool. I like the lyric just because it's uh, there should be a song about letting the cat out of the bag. Sure. It's also we also we got dogs barking. We got birdies. Every time birdies the dogs singing. bark. Uh, That's yeah. I kind of thought he was back, you know, maybe. Yeah. Slant referencing himself there uh, and his boy Ratso. Um, I have nothing more to say about Out of the Bag. No, it, good song. It's a good song. <laughs> uh, for a ride. For a ride, this one reminds me, and like a lot of this record, um, generally, like the way that we're talking about it, it could also apply to descriptions of uh, The Next Day by David Bowie. Yeah, I see that. There's a song on that record, Dirty Boys. It reminds me a lot of this. Something like tobacco road Living on a lonely road kind of bluesy in a way Mm. like the lyrics i mean are kind of like i don't know it feels like blues lyrics to me this this is john this is john lyrics i love to he's 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 in the car i love to drive you around he's in europe paris and rome uh and then take you shopping then drive you home he's also having a good time those are those are classic john kale themes driving being in europe and having a good time and you get all of that right in the first two lines of for a ride i love to drive you around paris and rome take you shopping and drive you home show you the This is the one that sounds like Franz Ferdinand to me. Did you, did you listen to Franz Ferdinand a lot? Uh, not a lot, but it does, no. didn't he also? There isn't there a Franz Ferdinand think, cover of? I think they did. They were on that same LCD cover LP that that John was on. There was a Franz Ferdinand cover of All My Friends, and there was the John cover of All My Friends, which we'll we'll talk about in depth a little bit more okay, in an yeah. episode to come. Um, but this sounds straight off like the second fucking Franz Ferdinand record to me, which was like, I, I fell deep into that one. I, I haven't listened to it in years at this point, and I'm sure it's like not actually that good. But those first two records were like 
you know, just playing endlessly for me in 2004 or five, whatever. And this sounds exactly off of one of those. I've always liked Franz Ferdinand uh, as in a way. I mean, just like generally. Yeah, no, they're, they're good. I, I have nothing bad to say about it. They, you know, I kind of fell off after like the third record. And I think they've, they've put out a bunch since then that I haven't listened to. But like, you know, I have nothing bad to say about Franz Ferdinand or, you know, Interpol, maybe a little bit, uh, but the Killers, nothing bad to say about them. The Strokes, obviously, you know, legends. Uh, by and large, that whole kind of era of rock, I think, has held up very nicely. And John, to his credit, I think was very much dialed into that shit. Yeah, I, I, I'm remembering just completely haven't thought about this record since it came out, like, at all. But uh, the 2013 record by Franz Ferdinand, I remember kind of liking... Right thoughts, right words, right action. I, I, oh, I remember that. It's yeah, kind of good. I remember. I don't know. I'll, I'll revisit it after this. I think. I don't think I listened to that at all. The last, the last thing from Friends Ferdinand that I remember really generally being aware of was I think from the third or the fourth record they had a music video. It's called Girls something 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 Girls, and like they had a, a music video, a bunch of girls in like little outfits. They were dancing and stuff, and I think it was on an iPod commercial. But that must have been like fifteen out. years ago at this point. Oh man, what what a world! Well, now we we've gotten to the uh, the real um, the heart of the record, the statement of intent. Mm-hmm. I write reams of this shit every day. I don't know what he's done. I don't know what is going on, on brother man. I will I will come right out and say it. I don't know either, but I I like the idea that he's just like uh, here's another song, and I got a million of them. <laughs> Uh, that is a great, that is a, a mood setting uh, uh, opening line. I write reams of this shit every day. I'm not the only one either. Um, and then the shit that he writes reams of that he goes on to recite in Brother Man, you know, where the hype coming from, Brother Man, Brother Man? Yeah. <laughs> where the heat coming from, Brother Man, Brother Man? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's miraculous that somebody could just write that, uh, you know, uh, but mm-hmm. he's, he's done it, and he's he's telling you about it. I write reams of this shit every day. <laughs> I'm not the only one either. Where the hell coming from, brother man, brother man? Maybe not quite as lyrically adventurous and inspiring as as the Joker Man lyric. Um, presumably, didn't go through quite as many drafting phases as Joker Man did. Like when we talked to the uh, archive guys, they were talking about the thirty five different versions of Joker Man. I wonder if there's thirty five different versions of Brother Man. Yeah, there's the forty five minute <laughs> in the John Cale Center of, of Brother Man at the John Cale Center in in, <laughs> in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it probably would be Santa Monica, wouldn't it? Yeah, just right, like right on, right off of the Third Street Promenade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. Here in the courtyard with Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. I like Brother Man. You know. Do you? I guess. Where the heat coming from, Brother Man? Brother Man. Mm-hmm. I don't think I dislike Brother Man. <laughs> Brother Man kind of goes into that like box of John Cale stuff in my brain that like 
the jeweler uh, is in. <laughs> it's compl- um, what do you mean? Not because it's similar. It's just like I don't really think of it as like a song necessarily. Like I, I appreciate it more from a distance, but like the piece itself doesn't elicit like a like a um, actual id level reaction in me. Um, and this brother man and the jeweler. And I'm sure other things, fucking half of music for New Society, sometimes, not really. You know, it's like, thank you, John. I'm glad that you did Brother Man. Um, I don't need to listen to Brother Man too often. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that brings up like something that sort of haunts John Cale as an artist um, that is kind of, I guess, the thing that when I've talked to people uh, over the year plus that we've been doing this, that, you know, oh, we, we're doing a John Cale series. There's everybody's like, I like, oh, I like John Cale. If they've heard of him, they're like, yeah, I like him. But there's kind of a sense that there's like 80% of it is, is like that. Like it's just kind of impenetrable because when he doesn't give you like something that's really catchy and uh, orchestral, he's asking a lot. Like it might not seem like it, but he's kind of, he's kind of does ask a lot sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly on Brother Man. That's kind of the interesting thing about him, uh, which has actually, I think, once you get, once you unlock like a couple of those songs that for a while eluded you, then there's this sense that like his whole catalog is full of stuff like that, which is kind of true. Um, but uh, sometimes, I don't know, maybe we just need to spend more time with these, but uh, sometimes. It, it, More time it, with Brother Man. <laughs> there are certain ones like in that box of John Cale material that you referred to that are like, I will get to this someday. Like, I'm going to finish Gravity's Rainbow, but not this year. Right. Or next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, Brother Man is only like three minutes. So you don't, you don't need to uh, bang your head against a brick wall for quite as long as you do with something like Gravity's Rainbow. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, especially on a record like this, that is, I think in large part, like I said earlier, just a collection of songs that seem to be in tune with like what is going on with cool music in circa 2005. Um, it is, uh, admirable that John would, uh, do Brother Man and put it on this record. It's, it absolutely does not need to be here. I don't think it really makes it a stronger record. Uh, like literally just listening to it song wise. Uh, could have absolutely just gotten the axe and it would have been a shorter, tighter album that has 99% of what it needs to. Um, but the fact that he did do it and did decide to leave it on the record, I I like, I like, enjoy that, even if I don't actually enjoy the experience of hearing the song that much, if that makes any sense. Well, there's another song that I'm reminded of that we will also get to later from Extra Playful, the... Um, mm. uh, EP, which EP, which was from what, like 2010, 2011, something like that. Yeah, there's that, and there's five songs, which we will come back to both. Hey Ray, from mm. is the brother man of that um, extended play uh, release in the brother man extended universe. Yeah, uh, it's pretty similar in that it's just like, well, we've got this character, and he he sounds like he's doing something or did. Or didn't? (laughs) Uh, What's the next song? Satisfied. 
One of the best songs. One of my favorite songs on this record. I agree. This is good shit. Yeah, it's very pretty. And a lot of this record doesn't sound dated. Um, there are only a couple times that do, that, but this is not one of those times at all. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, it's, you know, the ones that sound dated almost seem like they were intentionally dating themselves, even, you know, at the time as he was composing them, like, supremely aware that they would sound dated in 18 months, to say nothing of whatever it's been, 18 years? Has it been 18 years since this record came out? <sighs> yes. Oh, God. Um, wow. <laughs> damn, man. Um, Brother, man. Brother man, uh, yeah, satisfied's great. This is this is primo. This is this is catnip for for the discerning John Cale listener in your life. Uh, you know, you've got some strings here. You've got some kind of like spacey, roomy, bassy, boomy. You know, synthetic percussion here, and then John is just lyrically and vocally here. This is everything that I want out of a John song. It, it this fits into that box that has got the you other know, box. half of Paris. The other different box. Uh, different box, but you know, that contains half of Paris 1919 and you know more than I know and half of walking on locusts and, and stuff like this is just like super enjoyable art pop. Yeah. It, it, there's certain songs on this that remind me a bit of like, um, uh, noise of you from mercy, uh, from mercy. Mm-hmm. This one and and gravel drive are kind of like that, which is like they kind of like. <laughs> I love gravel drive. I like gravel drive a lot. Um, spoiler. What time does Survivor come on? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I, I think that there's um, things like about looking at this record and some of the other ones, and like you know uh, the previous one, uh, Hobo Sapiens, that kind of carve out some more uh understanding like i'm like knocking out some stalagmites and stalactites in my way of like seeing what is the late period john kale uh approach and these kinds of songs these softer ones it seems to be like he does have something in mind of like i will on my records i do want to still have these kind of ballads that feel um sort of floaty and elevated but i don't want to use the old orchestral neoclassical approach but i want to get that same feeling as something like andalusia mm-hmm. or whatever um yeah so he's he's still like giving us that yeah absolutely i think you know uh on uh, on a record like this and really on, on a lot of the late material like you know late era shit from him there are the songs where John is doing something different. Like, he's not doing a John Cale song. He's doing another genre of music. Another, another genre. Genre, yeah. See, Out of the Bag, see, fucking Perfect, which we'll get to shortly. So that's, you know, that makes up some percentage of these records. And then there are the John Cale songs that are just like, this is a John Cale song. It could have been a John Cale song in 1973. It could be a John Cale song in 2023. It could be a John Cale song anywhere in between. And it just, it so happens to be a John Cale song released in X year, right? So it, it has kind of the, the sonic footprint of things that were happening then, but it still ultimately is a John Cale song at the end of the day that could have shown up on Slow Dazzle or could have shown up on Mercy. Yeah. Um, and, and Satisfied is very much in that box, right? Another box. <laughs> um, in that bag. It's in that bag, that's right. This is the eternal John Cale song, song that just so happens to be released in 2005. <laughs> 
is the next one and i think this is one of the strongest songs on the record um mm-hmm. for no other reason than it really has a uh feels very like all-encompassing and confident and while also being very soft it's just like actually creates a really um engrossing mood that sort of hushed close to the mic whispering thing yeah, playing into the age, right? Like uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a lot of this record, you know, sounds like John trying to sound eternally youthful, and he does do that, you know, very effortlessly. Um, but this very much sounds like a sixty-something-year-old man, um, you know, singing a lament of some sort, which is what it is. This sounds like it could have come out yesterday. The next one, which is like a 60 something year old man, um, like trying to fuck you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what hush is, what's going on. <laughs> Some of these songs, I don't, I just, you know, they are, they're there on the surface and, or, you know, what's, what, what is there to them? What makes them up is all there on the surface. And it's like, you know, there it is. Hush. Put your lips on mine. Hush, hush. Good night. It's horny, John. Uh, would we say this is horny? Put your lips on mine and hush and like the. It, yeah, it sounds really horny, but like it. I think maybe you're just kind of reacting against even thinking about that. 
Like you don't it, listen. No, I'm happy. I'm happy for John to be feeling himself. And there's just and and you're right. You know, lyrically, you know, sure, put your lips on mine, horny. But the the music just sounds so like kind of stupid. Yeah, to me. well, that's what I mean. I don't mean it's because you're you're like oh John. I don't want to think of him as a sexual being, but it's like John. I'm happy it's to think more of John like, as a sexual being. Well, you know, say he's virile, right? But uh, I guess it's what you know. It's like, do you want to know exactly the kind of squelchy bass line that he do, is do, being do, horny do, 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 with? <laughs> I don't know if you want to uh. go. That, but that's, now I'm liking the idea of John thinking this is sexy. Well, um, I think that is. I can't help but think that that's what's happening when I hear. Sort this. of an Austin Powers type thing. Like, do I make you horny, baby? And he's yeah. just like it. He's got his bearskin rug, chest, and his uh, Union Jack. Yeah, I'm imagining him sort of like slow motion, like slathering oil on himself, like. Like in a video directed by David Fincher. This is good now. Uh, now I, I hush was not one of my favorites, but now hush is one of my favorites. Uh, uh, next is gravel drive, um, which is I I think this might be my favorite from the record. Really? Wow. Okay. But I don't really know why. I just think it's like a really sweet. It reminds me of noise of you. Noise of you. That's right. Um, it reminds me of that. In that I think it's like kind of the same exact concept too. It's like hearing the uh, you know much anticipated footsteps, or uh, in this case, perhaps car tread or footsteps, whatever, on the gravel drive on the on the staircase at the door. Uh, it's a very sweet um, song about, I guess, domestic contentment. Uh, in like in the the moments of that in between a uh, a period of being away, I guess so. Um, yeah, I mean you're definitely right about that. I it's it's interesting. I don't. I find myself like the the later into John's stuff with Journey, like connecting on an emotional level less than I did before for some reason and and this you're i mean you're totally right you know i'm looking at the words on the page and that's absolutely what what's going on here but it just doesn't for some reason like register for me the same way that like late lou does on an emotional level and what's interesting is like i feel like that kind of switched at some point like early on like with the early early stuff like john was the john shit was the stuff that really kind of you know 
you know, punch me in the fucking gut and uh, really did it for me. And Lou's, you know, was fantastic and, you know, iconically Lou Reed type of stuff. But, but he was it, doing animal language or whatever. He was doing animal, yeah, exactly. Or fucking um, uh, uh, dirt or whatever. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, 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 there, there's... That, this might say more about me than than anything else, but it um, I I haven't really like had a, a visceral emotional reaction to anything on this record, um, even when he's ostensibly going for that kind of thing, like he does here. The survivor line is is my main takeaway from yeah. this one. Well, I'm I'm reading the lyrics now, and it's it's pretty brief. But I actually the lyrics I I think I sort of mischaracterized it a second ago. I, it's it's a little bit like um, more about the the bittersweet goodbye moment. Uh, kind of like it's better sort of like to a, have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. I don't even so know, I don't know that it's um like a a breakup as much as it is like it's sort of like adventurer like the the Lou Reed song where he's sort of like lamenting the the difficulty and the trials of living with somebody who like has to go. Um, when he, I mean, it could be that, um, it could be like for good, but, uh, the lyrics are, you're going away again, which I think implies like, maybe it's not permanent. You're going on a business trip. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> it's almost as if you never came. I'm tired and helpless and midnight's here. Leave me something, something that will make me smile. Someone is calling from the den. When does survivor come on? I hear the car door slamming and footsteps on the gravel drive. Someone is calling from the den. When does survivor come on? I hear the car door slamming and footsteps on the gravel drive. It's very sweet. That's what I like about it. It's just that it's like kind of um, not that ambitious, but it 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 takes a lot of um, emotional. It 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 grabs a lot of emotional potency out of like a pretty simple, literally a sound, literally one one sound. So yeah. I, I really yeah. do like that about the song. It's it's uh, definitely a nice uh, atmospheric little you know short story sketch type thing, um, yeah. For whatever reason, it just it, this one is always besides the fucking survivor line, which it, I'm realizing now is like not. I, I've always kind of just like grinned when I heard that, and now you know that's like a, just sort of like a, a, a real life detail he's using to sort of set the scene here. It's, yeah, it, there's nothing funny about it, but that's. Uh, I mean, it's my my uh, postmodern sensibility that uh, disallows me from meeting anything head on and uh, uh, taking it as seriously as it should be taken. Well, maybe he's a little bit more postmodern than you. He's already come back around to um, post postmodern sincerity. Yeah, maybe maybe he just literally likes Survivor in two thousand five. <laughs> It's possible. We, Bob Dylan apparently likes Coronation Street. I was talking about that with John recently. Do you remember that Bob Dylan said that 
In the, I think I do, yeah. Now I want to watch Coronation Street. It's like a BBC like, like a, soap, like a soap or something, pop. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that sounds that that to me sounds perfectly, you know, like it makes sense for, for Bob. Um I guess Marky Survivor Smith, for like, John. It seems weird. Well, to Survi- me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Survivor is just—it was such a phenomenon in two. Th- I mean, two thousand five. That's like it, I think it, it's as much as like saying any show now. Like he was just saying the most popular thing. I don't think it's about the sh- that show in particular. Like that show was so popular then that it—I it, don't even know what the what is the most popular show now. Do we have one? It's like all those shows that are on network TV that no one who's under 65 has any idea. When does young Sheldon come on? Yeah, exactly. It's young Sheldon. It's the new Frasier or, or whatever. When does no, no new Frasier come on? I, I don't think anyone's watching new Frasier. I think that's only streaming also. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's real. Want, do you want to watch new Frasier with me? <laughs> What what clunker that that is? I don't know about that. You know what I really don't like about New Frasier is like you see New Frasier and he's he's wearing like jeans and they don't even look like fancy jeans. I feel like New Frasier and like fat like fashion sneakers like like those weird they're like ugly the ugliest fucking sneakers. They're like dress dress sneakers. Yeah, they're, they're like not Terrible. they're not like he yeah exactly. Probably, they're like, not if you were really being true to the character of Frasier, he would. Be in like Japanese denim that is like four hundred dollars. Yeah, you you could either make make Fraser a Blackbird spy plane guy, or he could be a, a Twitter menswear guy. Probably but, would be more Twitter menswear, but because then like you get Niles and Fraser, and like one of them is more like Twitter menswear guy, and the other one is like post hype beast guy, right? And then they're like to arguing about um, how wide your pants should be. This is why, like, I'm very glad that like Seinfeld has never, besides the Curb season, which you know was kind of a joke in in and of itself, like never, never tried to do any of this shit again. It's just like you can never, you can never get it back with the TV shows like this. It's true, and that's what that's what this song is about. <laughs> that's right. That's what Gravel Drive is about. Yeah. Um, what's next? Uh, perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Jimmy world ass fucking song. It could have easily been written by OK Go. It's like a major chord, like pop punk, like warped tour element to this. I think it's true. Um, is, is delicious to me, to be quite frank. I I love this. (laughs) I've loved this song for like, since I heard it, which is like, it's fantastic. Five years ago. Um, I remember like well, well before we started doing this, that I I heard this song and I was like, well, it's pretty obvious w- that we will get to this at some point because talking about the time that John Cale sounded like Avril Lavigne is uh, an important part of the Jokerman uh, trajectory, and I'm glad that it's we're beautiful. here. And um, I don't think we're alone uh, in liking this. Um, and it's it. this is where the Pitchfork review is just completely wrong. It's just like, this is so outlandishly um, accurate. Like the fact how accurate it is to the this sound is um, unbelievable. It makes it like, I, I just think that at that time, like nobody could appreciate this because it wasn't, uh, we just didn't have to, the space from that sound to to now see how well he was doing it 
Right. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is like, I think you do need some hindsight, some distance to be able to fully appreciate this. Although at the same time, I'm thinking like, what, 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 what would be the modern equivalent of this? It, it would be like, it would be like Bob doing a, or a song with, with ice doing spice. like a boy, not, not, but not even ice spice. It would, I was going to say like a boy genius type song, but that's still not even right. It's like, um. I guess it's it's difficult to even. What uh, even is uh, a boy genius type song? Just a song. You know, it's. Yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a you know it's, it sounds like a boy genius. You know, you know it when you see it type of thing. Um, we just we don't have that like default thing that makes you think of 1985 um, anymore because there is no more anymore anymore. Um, <laughs> but perfect is um, I I have to say though it's it's actually a well crafted pop song like on every it's tight. every level like the Absolutely. way that the, the movements like the different sections come like it's formulaic down to a, a science and it it actually really is like a good song <laughs> like as far what, as just the structure I, of it yeah well like what i like to think of like the way i like to think of it is um you know the way that like, think about the way that Bob writes about a bunch of the shit that he writes about in Philosophy of Modern Song, right? Like, the, the classic pop songs of, like, the 1950s, like, Ooby Dooby yeah. or Long Tall Sally. I know Ooby Dooby is not in um, is not in Philosophy of Modern Song, but Ooby Dooby's great. Um, you know, Ooby Dooby, Long Tall Sally, Louie Louie, whatever, like... Perfect is absolutely in that lineage, and the same way that those songs are redolent of the era from which they hail, I think this song, Perfect, is redolent of fucking 2005, and and is just as finely tuned. It's got it all. It's got the chorus, pre-chorus, post-chorus. When I'm standing next to you in the corner of a room. You're perfect in pajamas. That's great. I, I really like the, the the line getting writer's block from calling you is all I want to do. That's a it's a very sweet It's nice. It's sweet. It's just a re- it's a fucking good song. What am I gonna say? It's a great song. Yeah. It's a great song. <laughs> it's John Cale's best song. I can't help it. You're perfect for me. I could care less. You're perfect for me. I've been waiting. You're perfect for me right now. In the moment, you're perfect for me, I've been waiting, you're perfect for me, I'm not perfect, but you're perfect for me right now. where if you are the the you know uh too too cool by half type of uh person who's only looking for john cale to do like chicken shit 
or uh, Music for a New Society, then of course you're going to just say like, oh, what is this garbage? P-U, uh, it's not say. John Cale. Yeah. yeah. But for everyone with the right kind of mindset, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's, just, there's a term for that. You're going to see this and it's going to put a big smile on your face and you're going to say, this is, this is good. It's good music. Because it is. There's certain things. There is at least one thing happening right now that this reminds me of. And that's um, uh, the life. Yeah, the I am Pat guy. Yes. Uh, Curtis, who's been on the show, he does things that I think that it's the same phenomenon happening. Like right now, there's people who hear it and they're like, well, ugh. but the people who know what's up know that he's doing what he's doing as good as anybody's done it. I'm looking at some uh, set lists from 2005 for John. He played a 20-song set uh, in Cambridge, Mass. in 2005 that ended with uh, Ship of Fools into Things from Hobo Sapiens into Sold Motel, which is the very next song yeah. we'll talk to about uh, talk about in a sec, into Perfect, into Pablo Picasso to close the set. Perfect and Pablo Picasso is like, that's pretty great. It's great. It's perfect. In pajamas, you're perfect for me right now. I can't help you. You're perfect for me. I could care less. You're perfect for me. I've been waiting. You're perfect for me right now. It's a of the record to talk about uh yes we do uh sold motel sold motel um, I, I don't really know what he's talking about i find myself singing along to it when it's on yeah uh, presumably he's talking about some sort of little vacation town or something somewhere beach blanket bourgeois sunning themselves miles of logic and nonsense and you know i guess motels in that type of town do you find whatever. that there's there's like something that happens to you uh, for me this happens sometimes where like where I am and the the setting and the set and setting of when I'm encountering music is really important in terms of like how much depth I grant it. Like sometimes I'll be walking around and it'll be like a shitty, drizzly, ugly day and I'll be in a ugly place and the music really won't like do much for me. But sometimes you'll be walking around and the music will be uh, working well with like the beautiful uh, golden late afternoon sunlight. And then you like that song more. And these things just like happen sometimes. Like if you're in on vacation in a beautiful resort town and you're, you're hearing this for the first time, like that could really color your perception of it. Do you know what I mean? I do. I, I think this has been established on the show. This is this is what's known as the triplicate phenomenon. Is it? Well, if you're getting your heart actively broken, then you'll like the record more. 
I, I think that one stood the test of time because I I am currently not miserable and uh, actually quite happy, but I do still love that record. It's a great record. Sold Motel. Uh, it's a three star banger. It sounds like for for Evan. I don't know about that, but it's like it it. It's not as flat and boring. Like, I feel like it would be really easy to say this is like a sort of a stock song. And that's when I think it's a good idea to be like, well, is it? Or am I just kind of devaluing these chords and this kind of progression? Like, maybe I could like put myself in his shoes and imagine that it's just a nice day out. And then it's like, okay, well, now it's a good song. Beach blanket bourgeois, sun and themselves. Miles of logic and nonsense. Ooh, you know. Send out the message, pick up the word. Watch out the jeweler's hand, you heard. Send out the message, pick up the word. Watch out the jeweler's hand, you heard. That's a generous, uh, generous reading. Um, you know, uh, and, and I understand, you know, why or how you would take that approach to things. That, that kind of mindset, I think, is exactly what, like, I generally apply to a record like Walking on Locusts, which I think just goes in one ear and out the other for 95% of the people that listen to it. Not you, obviously, but... Um, but you like that one, I think, a bit more than I do, even. I do. Um, but, uh, I think I do too. Um, but I, what I'm saying is just like, I think just different songs and different records, different vibes strike people differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't and, and kind of wedge themselves. And so like for me, Sold Motel is, is kind of one of the in one ear out the other songs on this record, but that's not to say that it's like a lesser song or a, a bad song or anything. It just, it, it hasn't, you know, kind of landed a, uh, direct hit for me quite yet the way that it seems like it no it, it hasn't necessarily done that for me i, I i'm just saying that uh <laughs> i think it's it's a good idea to like when something sounds boring to you like first like, we've got john kale making like a potentially boring rock song here and that's kind of the criticism of this record that i guess has has been leveled at it but if that's the case like Shouldn't you, if you like John Cale and you're disappointed it's not cooler, just imagine that his version of boring is not boring somehow? Well, right. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's Like, do these stock boring chords mean something more when you know that they're done by somebody who, like, can do way more than it? Yeah, absolutely. No, there's no question about that. I mean, it, if you're if you're if you're shitting on this record because it it is boring to you or seems beneath John uh, or or not in tune with what he is about or represents as an artist, like you know, you're just you're fucking wrong. Yeah, it's the same thing um, that'll make you not li- you'll you'll listen to self portrait and have no fun, which is like just a sad right. way to be. Like, can you imagine? But and not even self portrait because I think self portrait is more. Like self portrait is more reclaimed than black acetate is. Not even that black acetate needs to be reclaimed, well, but it's just like I don't think it's been claimed in the first. Place. Yeah, exactly. It's far less well known. 
But any, I mean, if you're if you're thinking that, like, what are you thinking that John like was trying to get played on K Rock and like headline Coachella or something in 2005? And yeah, and like, so that's why he's doing these. Stuff? Like, of course not. Like, he's doing these for some sort of reason. And whether or not you like what he's doing or what his reasons are, like, if you respect him and like him as an artist, like, you gotta just you know go along, go go with the flow, brother. Brother man. Brother man. Yeah, I mean, take it as like a gesture of generosity on his part that he's kind of like, I want to see what the kids are doing and I'm going to try to do it too. And he does, he has a great job of it. Uh, and nowhere better, I think, for me on this record than Woman? the next song, you, Woman. You like the song Woman. Uh, Woman's a banger. I mean, are you kidding me? When I was listening to it last, I, I did think like, okay, the dynamic shifts in this are pretty like cool and dramatic. But it it seems like it hit you a bit stronger off the bat. Yeah. I mean, this is going back to my uh, thesis about this is John just like listening to cool and even not so cool music from the year 2005. Like this is this strikes me as more of like a keen song than anything. Did you ever listen to keen? So No, okay, that's fair. Um, but like this, this kind of anthemic, like uh, a piano-driven, um, you know, key change type thing here. And there is like a you know kind of a harder guitar that gives you some like third strokes record kind of uh, uh, feelings as well. Me at least. Um, I don't know, man. This one just this one really does it for me. This is very much in the perfect in the perfect box to keep using this box fucking terminology that I'm using for whatever reason tonight. Um, this bag box, um, is one of those songs that is, if you're looking at it from a certain vantage point or through a certain lens, it's corny and dated and again, kind of quote unquote beneath John or whatever, but like, it's just a fundamentally great kind of song to me, like just based on the construction and the way that it sounds alone. Like, I don't think the woman in my past, woman in my present thing is like breaking, you know, the, the uh, breaking everyone's minds necessarily as a lyric, but it just like, man, when that gu- when those guitars hit and the chorus comes through, it's like, it's huge. It's huge. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all my fault. Uh-oh. just huge like almost like shoegazy guitars i really like that little those little like those little synth percussion percussion which are mixed like really quietly but they're yeah it's it's tastefully quiet um and they're like there they kind of make you listen in a little closer and then it does kind of blast your face off with those big post grungy guitars and this is what I think is so amazing about this record. You know, by the time you get to this, this is track 10. We're on a 13-song record, but, like... It's a long record, actually. It's a long record, absolutely. I mean, you could cut three or four songs on here, and it would be a tighter album, no question. But I think the shag is kind of part of the experience here, part of what he's going for. And just look at how 
again, like people complain about, or you could, you could complain, you can complain about like him operating in some like uncool or, or mainstream type of genres, but like a record that contains Out of the Bag and Brother Man and Hush and Gravel Drive and Perfect and Woman Now, and we're going to get to another couple songs later on. Like, he's all over the fucking place here. So from a technical proficiency aspect alone, the fact that he's able to nail this many different sounds and song styles at this one time, it's nothing short of impressive to me. Yeah. (laughs) I love Woman. I think they're great. I love Woman. (laughs) Yeah. By John (laughs) Kelly. these songs i think if you were just presented with them on their own you might like them more too there's a bit of just ear fatigue that happens on a record this long yeah yeah i think wasteland you know this is this is the shag here or part of the shag um you know there's sort of an okay computer or like early cold play type thing going on here the uh, nigel godrich produced ass sounding record but John, even even this like gets the John vocals. He's very impassioned. He's got the the strings on here. Um, there's something to recommend it. It's one that just like you know you're kind of getting through. I am at least to get to the end of the record at this point. But it's not a bad song. No, none of this is bad. You go with me. Land, and then uh, turn the lights on. Okay, <laughs> turn the lights on is like I'm fully committing to being this. This is just who I am now. Yep, I'm just gonna make this like. You thought there was just the one song with perfect. You thought there was just perfect. It's like actually, I have my hair swooped down in front of my eyes, and I like it that way. I'm gonna keep it that way. I've got a little clip-on tie. And my sleeves are cut off. He's wearing the leather bracelet with the studs. This is like the end of School of Rock. Uh, this is like... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the lights on is um is a rock and roll number. Uh, uh, it's it's so cool that he was 60-something years old doing this. 60, 60 <laughs> going on... 60 going on 16, yeah. <laughs> cool. Zero, why did we roll? Putting your feet 
bears a resemblance to something like Out Your Window from Mercy, but it's just not done with synths and piano. It's it's these big guitars. Like that he has some like really dramatic big John Cale vocals on it, but it it sounds like American Idiot uh also. <laughs> I think American, didn't American Idiot come out in 2005? Four. 2004, wow. So, yeah, so this was even after that. This is absolutely John Cale responding John to Cale Green Day. fucking wake me up when September ends. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that uh, when I, at my fourth grade jogathon, um, I, there was a like a DJ and I requested that he play American Idiot and I was ecstatic. I was over the moon when he played it and it said, fuck America. Hell yeah. I won the jogathon. You were so amped up that it, you just raced to first place. That's right. Very sick. Those were the days. Yeah. I remember listening. I think I listened to American Idiot a lot on um, like the song a lot on uh, like Madden 2004 or something. There was an era there where all the football games like had a bunch of like contemporary rock songs that you would just hear on the menus. Yeah. Th- that and like Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Yeah, Tony Hawk, exactly, yeah. That one that has like, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Then we close with Mailman. Yeah. Um, But this is the Animal Collective song. Yes, exactly. This fucking sounds like like tongs. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which again, 2004. So like, that is like wild, like... It's incredible that that John. Who knows if John had listened to Sung Tongs or American Idiot or Midnight Fultures? I, I have a feeling like he's just been a, a probably been an Animal Collective fan for a long time. Yeah, uh, they're which on would, that record on Mercy. Are they on Mercy? Yeah, on um really? Yeah, yeah. On uh, I forget which song. What the song is called? Oh yeah, you're right. Everlasting Days. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Shit. There it is. Animal Collective and John Cale. But this really sounds like that. That oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah thing. That's straight off Sung Tongs, um, which uh, is cool that John Cale can do Jimmy Eat World and Animal Collective and Beck and Franz Ferdinand and John Cale all on the same record. I mean, it's it's um, this chameleonic uh, aspect of what he can do is, you know, you kind of take it for granted or you can take it for granted, I think. And, you know, if you're going to have a negative opinion on a record like this, you're going to be taking it for granted. But like it's, you know, for all we love Bob, obviously, you know, no one compares. Uh, but like Bob could not do, Bob no, could not no. do this. Lou could, could not do, do this. this. Van could not do this. Like this is this is a, a, an extraordinary skill that um, that the man has. And it might not be your idea of a good record, but it's like. It's amazing. It's straight up just not being um, afraid to do this. Like, that is the difference. Because there's no one else his age who has always been looking for what carries, like, the energy of the the thing that they did first with the Velvet Underground. Like, what is that nexus of, like, avant-garde and rock music or popular music more broadly? And he's trying to zone in, like, directly on what that is and then 
try his hand at it. So it makes perfect sense that Mercy is like trap drums. It makes perfect sense that in 2005, it's this. But uh, John Cale never accidentally sounds like the moment. He's always trying to do it and trying to add something to it, too. Two stars, Black Ass Dane. Two stars. <laughs> it's, it's two stars, two big stars way up uh, out of three. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's great, actually. Two out of three is really, really great. Very high score. It's almost as good as it gets. Almost. Well, hopefully this was a good uh, belated birthday present for you here. Well, thank you. I think it, it was. Uh, my 29th year will be uh, one where I have more respect for the music of John Cale than uh, ever before. I think it's going to be your 30th year, isn't it? No. Well, I know you're gonna. You're. I know you've just turned twenty nine, but your first year was you were zero years old. So, oh, I mean, <laughs> sure. Now you're pulling out math on me. Yeah, that's right. Well, no, I. I this is my last year of my twenties. Now, as of yesterday, it begins. Yes. Uh, the countdown. How was twenty nine for you? Was it good? Was it good? Uh, twenty nine. Uh, I um. When when did I turn twenty nine? Twenty. 20. Uh, yeah, I started a podcast called Jokerman. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, solid two-star year. Uh, it, was also, uh, it was also a global pandemic, but... Well, know. that's the demerit of one star. Right, that's where you lose the star. Hopefully, uh, this will be a three-star uh, for, for both of us coming up. We can only hope. Here we go. Joker. Brotherman. Brother, fuck. <laughs> In the moment, you're perfect for me, I've been waiting. You're perfect for me, I'm not perfect, but you're perfect for me.